Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Here we go. What are we talking about, Danny? We're talking about stress and overwhelm today. It's a good hot topic. It is a hot topic. You know what? It's funny. I remember a time where they're like, when people are like, are you stressed? I'm like, yeah, I'm always fucking stressed. But right now that does not feel, I don't really feel stress a lot in my life anymore. You know, I think there's a huge difference between acute stress Mm -hmm. and chronic stress. I think if you had asked me when I was going through like a lot of my relationship stuff that I was stressed, I would have said no because I wasn't like acutely stressed every second. Mm -hmm. But what I noticed was I was definitely under chronic stress and anxiety for years, but it was like a low level that you like don't really know that you need to manage it. It's not like everyone knows what it feels like to have like acute stress, right? Like if you get pulled over by a cop, Yeah. It's like that example of, oh my God, like you get that fight or flight, you like feel like the adrenaline rush, you start shaking. Like, I don't know, maybe when you found out that your husband, like that, that like feeling of, oh my God, like everyone knows what that feels like. Yeah. But when you don't have that every second, sometimes you don't recognize that you're under stress. And like, what's interesting about stress is physiologically, Mm -hmm. it's the same, whether it's emotional stress or physical stress. Mm -hmm. So like in your head, you can have the stress of like, whatever you're worried about your partner or you're worried about your family or worried about like your work or something like that. Physiologically, it's doing the same exact thing as if you were over exercising, as if you were under eating, yep. as if you, if you were injured, right? You were dealing with illness. It's always the same physiological response, but there's varying degrees. So you might not actually feel it in your yeah. head, but your body might be under stress. And that's more what I've experienced. That's a really good point. Um, I think like when I was first working like a job after college. I, when I worked for the government, I felt like I was always under work stress or deadline or maybe college even more is a better example. I felt in college, I was always stressed out because there was things due and, you know, expectations of family and then bills to be paid. And I felt like that was a lot of stress. And today I don't feel that I have all of that pressure or I've learned to manage it better. So I used to always just, I always used to associate stress with deadlines, work work and deadlines. Uh. Yeah. Other people's expectations of you. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And then it's funny you mentioned the physical stress because when I was going through the adrenal fatigue, I remember some doctors or naturopaths like asking me, well, what kind of stress are you under? I'm like, I'm not really under any stress, but the physical stress was a big thing. They're like, well, you, when you're exercising all the time, that's putting your body under stress. You have to manage your stress because stress really can mess with your hormones, can mess with your sleep, all of that stuff. So yeah, I like that you brought up that because I think we can kind of forget like there's different kinds of stress it's not always just work related it's not always deadlines could be physical could be emotional and um, I think that it is is super important that we talk about how to manage because sometimes we can't always stop stressful things from happening like there's always going to be stress in life we can't quit I mean but but yes but also do you feel like we have the ability to manage our response to certain things because this is always like a question that comes up right are things stressful or do we create stress? Mm. 
You know what I mean? Like, is there is there a, a default that like, oh my God, I don't know, a vacation is coming up and I'm nervous about the food situation. So I'm definitely gonna be under stress. Is that a choice mm-hmm. or not? So mm-hmm. like, I, I, is stress a choice? I think it can be. You know, okay, so, you know, when we're talking about exercise and um, just phys- exercise physiology, you can create stress yeah. on purpose, right? Well, but, all exercise is stressful, right? Sure, yep. But I think as far as emotional stress, our response can definitely determine whether it actually is. Like, I think I think a lot of things are neutral and we make them be stressful yeah. or cr- we actually create the stress yeah. in our minds. So, yeah, I think that, and this is why I think we can manage it. And because I think why it's important to talk about is because stress can, it is behind so many diseases. It's behind so many illnesses. It's behind so many issues. And it's something that we actually have more control over than we think. Yep. You know, I love um, Sean Acor's work. He's like, I would say probably like front runner in the positive psychology field. He's a couple of books that are really amazing. He's done a lot of positive psychology research and he uses positive psychology as an antidote to stress. And he talks about it on a physiological level, which I really love. So if you think about it, when we say things like stress is behind a lot of illnesses or a lot of chronic disease, what we mean is that like the cellular level, the cortisol response, mm-hmm. the adrenaline, the noradrenaline, like the the kinds of hormones that your body generates as a result of feeling physi- like feeling psychologically under stress or even physically under stress, your body changes its hormonal situation as a result of that feeling, mm-hmm. right? So and that has major implications. And so positive psychology, things like gratitude, giving people the benefit of the doubt, trying to meditate for five minutes a day, try to break things down to smaller tasks, like all of these kind of things that we can manage and mitigate, they do actually Im- impact on a physiological level, the cortisol response, right? Yep. Maybe it blunts it a little bit. Something like even things like eating, right? Mm-hmm. Like eating, anytime you eat, you're going to blunt the cortisol response because you are eliciting like some insulin response and those two work, you know, opposingly. So it's yep. like, so if you are under, people ask me all the time, because you know, you know this, like I exercise very intensely, and people are like, how can you exercise intensely like you do? And it's because number one, my workouts are short. Yep. And number two, I take a ton of recovery time. Yep. If you're exercising intensely or you're exercising for long periods of time and you are not recovering and you're not sleeping a lot and you're not like doing uh, restorative activities, you are absolutely 100% going to be shifting towards more of a high stress in general, high stress, chronic stress environment in your body. And so like when we say like it leads to stress, it's not like a magic trick that like happens like, oh my God, I'm stressed. And like all of a sudden I have cancer. It's like there's actually a chronic physiological response happening at the cellular level that could potentially get there to you, get you there. And I don't think it's necessarily a, uh, there's not like a certain level that you get to and all of a sudden you have cancer. It's like everyone's so different. Everyone's Mm -hmm. physiology is so different. We're really talking about like something like epigenetics, how your environment interacts with your genetics and like, does it express a certain way? So everyone's a little bit different, but it is something to consider. And it's something to, as an individual, I think that we have an opportunity to mitigate it through lifestyle. So what do we do? I agree. Uh, question before that is, do you think certain personality types are more prone to stress or to behave as if they're stressed? Like type A? For sure. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I do. I think there's a genetic component to it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people like firstborns, only children, 
you know, I mean, they've actually shown a research like where you fall within your family dynamic mm-hmm. actually can elicit more of a perfectionist type mm-hmm. A controlling type tendency. And so, and not everyone, right? So obviously it's not across the board, but I think wherever you kind of like your upbringing can breed a level of neuroses Mm -hmm. that you feel extremely driven, but on the flip side, you might tend more towards anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think recognizing that in yourself and also obviously where we came from, like if you have more of a perfectionist tendency and you feel like, okay, I need to be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. I need to strive. Nothing is ever good enough. So recognizing and there's a self-awareness that has to happen. Yes, I do. Do you agree? Yeah. No, I do agree. I, you know, I see people across the board. I think some people are just naturally more laid back, um, naturally more high strung. I mean, even (laughs) sitting here with Pip and I just sometimes think of dogs like you, dogs all have their personalities and some dogs are just naturally super hyper and some are just like chill, you know, you can't ruffle them. And I think humans are, I think uh, humans are the same way. I think some people are naturally more high strung. That's not to say that somebody isn't stress doesn't affect them physiologically it still can affect but I think some people let them affect it more yeah. affect them more or they stay in it longer and I think for people like that I will even say people like myself people like us um, yep. have to work harder or really learn more tools to manage it here's one way to know I think if you are and like I love this phrase or I love this word because it's so it, it like says so accurately what it is. It's called catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this several times in different books. And if you are someone who on some level, I don't want to say you like stress, but you do feel like you thrive in stress. I think some people do. They go, oh, I like feeling stressed because it gets it helps me be more productive or it gets me more effective or whatever. And if you're someone who tends to thrive or even in a very like weird odd way you like stress because you feel like it, I don't know, makes you feel important or like even something like that. For the people that I see who catastrophize, they feel the stress of whatever the incident is, whatever is happening in that moment. And then they take it five steps further. Mm -hmm. They go, well, if I'm stressing about this and this isn't good, well, then that means that this is also not good. Mm -hmm. And also this is also not good. And so like, I love that phrase because it says so accurately what it is that we do. And we really do at times and can blow up our stress to the point where it's like, that has nothing to do with what we're actually talking about. So I think when you're dealing with something that's stressful, I think it's important to make like to make the main thing the main thing yeah like what exactly we're talking about yeah it's not that like we're bad and all of a sudden like we suck and all of a sudden like everyone hates us and the world (laughs) hates us and we're never gonna be good at this and like we can (laughs) catastrophize like 10 steps down the road I think it's important to keep the main thing the main thing and figure out like what is this exact thing we're dealing with yeah I like that keep the main thing the main thing one uh big and simple and overlooked thing that I think can bring down the physiological response so quickly and it's so simple and something I think we all look over is just simply breathing. Um, When I had a a counselor, I was about 17, I think my social worker left, I got a new counselor and she had me do this little exercise where she had me think about this thing that I would have an emotional response to that I would get really angry about. I think I don't know, it had something to do with my family, I'm sure. She's like, okay, think about that and then like dump more on it. And I was to the point where I was just in this moment of just just rage Mm -hmm. and then she was like okay take a deep breath like and I was like realize I was holding my breath Mm -hmm. she had me take like three deep breaths and then she goes okay now how does that feel again and suddenly it was like a lot of the emotional trigger and 
the response was gone. Mm. And it taught me a really valuable lesson within a, a few seconds, three seconds, how much breathing can really change your physiology very, very quickly. And it's something I think that is so simple and so overlooked. And I was even in um, just a kind of discussion with um, my boyfriend the other night and he was sitting there and I could just tell he wasn't breathing. I was like, just take a couple deep breaths for me and then let's talk. And I think that is uh, just a simple, simple tool to just remind yourself to breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. We did the breathwork guy mm-hmm. on the podcast. We mm-hmm. had Christian on and like he kind of said something along those lines that it can really kind of reorient you to like making the main thing, the main thing, like, what are we actually talking about? And yeah. I think for, I think you also ask yourself, like, what type of person are you? So are, do you tend, and that's why I say there's a part of it that's self-awareness. Are you someone who tends to catastrophize? Are you someone who is perfectionist, recovering perfectionist, uh, type A personality? I think some people tend towards just based on their physiological, I mean, also, and also genetics. You know, my stepdad has been on blood pressure meds since he was in his 20s. Yeah. You know, so, and, and, and all of his uncles and father had heart attacks. So yeah. like they just tend towards high blood pressure, hypertension, you know, like they just tend towards that like very kind of like high strong, not because like mm-hmm. they're, you know what I mean? So I think yep. you have to take into account all those things. Yep. And so I think that on some level it is a choice. Yep. So how do you know if you're going into a place of like, okay, I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm feeling super stressed. I don't feel like this is a choice right now. How do I manage it? Well, I think if you don't feel like it's a cho- it's a choice and you do feel overwhelmed and stressed and all, oftentimes it doesn't f- feel like a choice right it that's yeah. why it feels overwhelming right. you're like i didn't want all this to happen you know maybe you've got yes. something going on and then you get this new information thrown at you and maybe you have 20 minutes to be at the airport and being doing something else and you're like you got four things and it is overwhelming i think the first part is just take a deep breath it's like okay let's break this down because overwhelm feels very paralyzing. That can be where you're so overwhelmed. And I get into this place where I am the person where when I'm overwhelmed, I do nothing. I just get stuck. Um, I think some people get overwhelmed and then they just go right into, okay, like this is the mode of like here, here, here. It's interesting because in in emergencies, like I've been in a a few emergency situations where like I had to um, administer CPR or like mouth to mouth breathing. And I could act very quickly and calmly in that situation. But when it comes to sometimes other things like work and managing a bunch of other stuff, I can be paralyzed by overwhelm. So I think we can react in a lot of different ways. But I think the first thing is take a deep breath and then really just ask, what can I do right now? Because sometimes there's just so many options and we get the overwhelmed by so many. We have to just really go, okay, what actually can be done or what is in my control? Mm-hmm. You know, we get sometimes stressed and overwhelmed by so many things, but literally not a single one of them you can control. And that can be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. You can go, there's nothing I could do. And then you just have to sit with that and manage that. Like, okay, there's nothing I could do. I'm going to have to just wait, have to wait on a decision, have to wait on somebody else's actions, wait on, you know, whatever and sit in the discomfort of it. But I think that the breathing and asking what you can control are two things that you can do to start to calm 
down and get some relief immediately. I also want to validate the fact that there are going to be seasons that are just going to be stressful. Yeah. Like, so, you know, if you are in that position like Danny was talking about where it's like, you're just going to have to sit in this comfort of that. Like a lot of us, maybe if you work a corporate job and there's like deadlines, you know, maybe quarter number four and your job is like really high stress, you know, you're coming down to deadline. I know for us as entrepreneurs, like launch week is always really stressful, mm-hmm. mostly because there's just a lot of things and there's a lot of deadlines and there's a lot of expectations within that time period. So one of the tools that I use in periods where I just know it's going to be high stress, high stakes, a lot needs to happen. I need to like do things at a certain time period, like people expect things. If I know I'm going into one of those seasons, um, I use what I call anchor actions. And anchor actions are, uh, I got this, not that term, but the idea of energy management from a book that I read called The Powerful Engagement by Tony Schwartz years ago. And anchor actions are three things, not more than three things, but three behaviors that you commit to during that time of stress. So for example, say you're at work and you know, okay, like work is crazy right now. I need to be at at work at like 7 a.m. I'm going to stay till 7 p.m. I get home, there's kids, like I just know it's going to be like that. Cool. You might say to yourself, okay, I know that I have a non-negotiable 20-minute leisure walk at lunch. Like, I take that no matter what. It's 20 minutes. Yes, is that 20 minutes away from my work? Yes. And that's like scary to do. But at the same time, like, you know that if you take that 20 minutes, like, it's going to help you stay more on track. It's going to help you stay more calm, more poised when all of this is going on. So for me during launches, I have three big anchor actions. And the reason why I say it's only three is because like you can't do a million things. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't, like you can't spread your, you know, what you're thinking about in all these different places, but you can commit to like two or three things. So I know for me, like one of my, uh, like the three that like, first of all, I definitely know that weight training for me is them like 30 minutes of weight training, non-negotiable. Because I know when I do that, it leverages into being more focused, being more calm, having more poise, being able to respond to things better. So 30 minutes of weight training, 30 minutes of leisure walking and eight hours of sleep minimum. And that's so hard when you're in such a high stress place. You're like, oh my God, I can't afford to take, I can't afford to sleep eight hours. So maybe for you, it's not eight hours of sleep. It's something else. Maybe you need to have a conversation with a friend. Maybe it's, you need to have, drink a gallon of water. Maybe it is, you need to have a big salad. Like, so everyone's is going to be a little bit different. So you need to identify for you, what are going to be the three or two or three main like things that center you during those time periods and make them non-negotiable, like commit to them 100%. And so it can't be everything, but it can be two or three things that leverage that when I know I come back from a 30 minute leisure walk and I spend that time just recharging, resetting, disconnecting. When I come back to my work, I'm going to be so much more focused. When I get eight hours of sleep, I wake up, I'm ready to go. And so I think having something like that, that you're committed to, not everything like I'll drink wine, I'll eat chocolate. Like I don't give a shit about other stuff, but like those are the three things that I definitely commit to during times of stress. I like that you said um, three things, but they can be different. Because as you're saying this, I'm just like... 30 minutes of lifting and 30 minutes of walking, that's an hour out of my day that I would not have time for. Like I mentally during a launch can't even focus on other stuff. So for me, it would have to be something literally just like stepping outside for a few minutes and getting a couple deep breaths and then coming back. Because I think I like the idea 
of going on a walk, but I would be so anxious during it that I wouldn't be able to focus. Sure. Or like some people, even yoga, I'd be like, no, I can't. It's a practice. I can't sure. do meditation while I have other stuff because I will literally just be anxious about not doing the thing I need to be doing. So I think I like having anchor actions, but finding what works for you. So I think that when you're in that stressful time, sometimes actually trying to take a break causes more anxiety, even though that's exactly what you need. Even though it works. I mean, I think that's a hard thing is too, is because you go like, okay, cool. If I can, like you said, Mm -hmm. force myself to not think about work or like to disconnect or whatever. I know for me, taking that 30 minutes means when I come back to my work, I'm going to get five hours of work done in two and a half. How do you, I mean, actually, this is just a good question because how do you get people to take a break when they're anxious about taking a break? Yeah. Like we get this, actually, we do get this a lot and we get this a lot for exercise. And I especially do. I have women who reach out to me about adrenal fatigue and they're like, I know I need to stop working out, but I can't. I'm trying to just cut it back to one hour a day instead of two hours. And I was like, no, you have to stop completely. And that's like this, the most anxiety producing thought. So how do you, it's the experience of it. Like, so you're going to be anxious when you Mm -hmm. try it, Mm -hmm. but the proof is in the pudding. So that's the thing is like you do it and you're like, I don't trust this. Danny and Jill told me I need to do this. I'm taking a leisure walk right now. This is a fucking waste of time. Like that's, you're going to feel all those things. (laughs) Yep. And then what's going to happen is you're going to come back to your work and you're going to be so like focused and ready and fucking fired up that you're going to be like, okay, that did work. Yeah. So the only way is to do it and see, and, and same thing with adrenal fatigue, right? You're like, no, you have to stop completely. And they're like, yeah. oh my God, I'm so nervous. But they do it. Yeah. And then, and they don't have to do it for a long time. You do it for a couple of days. Yeah. And you notice like, okay, my world didn't implode. Mm-hmm. Well, the world kept going without me. Like, it's fine. And you go like, wow, I didn't need to be as controlling and erotic about that thing as I thought I had to be. So the way that I convince someone is by having them trust and make that leaping leap into trusting and and just see for themselves. Yeah, it's interesting because this is the thing to help with stress. But sometimes the thing you have to do causes more stress for a little bit. Totally. Because you are overthinking it and you think that you have to control it all. You know, it was like this quote. I can't remember. I'll have to find it before we release this episode. But it was like the time, the most important time to take a break is when you don't feel like you can afford to take a break Mm -hmm. or something like that. And I was like, it makes total sense. And it's so hard. And so if you guys are interested in this, you do feel like you are someone who is overwhelmed. You feel like you are busy, but not productive. I would definitely recommend the book, The Powerful Engagement by Tony Schwartz. It was a book that I read when I was personal training 70 to eight hours a week. And I felt like I had the most full days. I had this big Excel spreadsheet that like had every single 15 minutes blocked down to the day. And you know me now, like I would never in a million years fucking like go according to like that kind of calendar. But back then it made me feel safe. Mm -hmm. It felt organized Mm -hmm. and I loved it. It felt to me like, okay, like every single minute is planned out of my day. Like I feel good. I feel safe. I feel in control. And at that time I read the book, but I was miserable because I felt really busy, but I felt like at the end of the week I had nothing to show for it. And I read that book and I felt so scared because he was saying you need to take strategic downtime Mm -hmm. and totally disconnect in order to come back and be more productive in your work and be more focused. And I didn't believe it at all. Did not believe it at all until I started doing it. And I was like, wow, I got eight hours of work done in two hours Mm -hmm. when normally this would take me all day. And so how do you get someone? How do you convince someone? You don't. You actually have them try it out. If they have that little bit of self-trust, 
that they can that they can try it try it just for a week and the good news is the the old way is always there so if you hate it it doesn't work for you like go back to the controlling like obsessive way yep it's so true it's good One of the things that I do, I start doing for overwhelm, and I kind of talk about this just in like prioritizing your day and scheduling and stuff like that is when you have like a to-do list that's 30 miles long and you feel like there's so many things and you can't figure out what what needs to be done. The three things I do is I I say like on the list, you either do it, delegate it, or delete it. I think there's Mm -hmm. sometimes we have something on a list that we keep saying, I need to do this, I need to do this, but we never do. And it could be given to someone else. It could be even, I mean, I remember just needing to get the car washed. And I was like, just, it was just like, it's not, it's not a big priority, just annoying me just enough. Every time I see the car, I get annoyed and it's starting to just build up something very, very small, but it just, it's like that thing that's just like, ah, you know, this is whatever. I ran through some mud and it's driving me crazy or like the inside is gross. And finally just like, hey, like, pass that off to my husband. Hey, like while I'm doing this other thing that's I need to get done, can you take the car and go get it washed? Like delegate stuff like that. So either do it, delegate it or delete it. Like, mm-hmm. it, or it's just going, you know what? This car is never getting washed for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm taking it off the list. So it's not taking any more mental energy yes. out of my day. I think so many times we have a mental to-do list. It's not written down. It's just like, this has to get done. Oil needs to be changed. Laundry needs to be done. And like you have this mental to-do list and the mental to-do list is making you so overwhelmed. And just actually clearing some stuff off just to go, you know what? That's never getting done. Like it's been on my list for two months now. It's not going to get done. Or finding someone else to do it for you, either hiring it out or just asking for help, asking a friend like, hey, can you take care of this task? Um, so it's off It's off of your mind. I, I think a it. lot of times that overwhelm is really just, it's overwhelming. The thoughts are overwhelming you. They're just taking up all the mental energy because they're just the little teeny things. It's not even the big things. It's like, it's the small tasks that are just annoying the hell out of you. Got to get my nails done. Got to get the laundry done. And you're One like, of my favorite practices along those lines is letting things not get done. Yep, yep. And like having the experience of like it's okay and like the world didn't like fall to shit as totally. a result of it. So when you're like, oh my God, my nails need to get done. I have this event. My nails need to be done. I need to have my nails done. Like what if you just didn't get your nails done and you went to whatever event it was without your nails done? Would it be okay? Yeah. Like, what would actually happen? Yeah. You know, like, we have an event tomorrow, and my nails are not done. Yep. I had the best intentions to get them done today. Not happening. I'm like, well, I'm just going to show up and own that shit tomorrow. And... If someone's like, oh my God, did you see Jill's nails? They weren't painted. I'm gonna be like, fuck you. I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, I think the things, some of the things, my best experiences is letting things not get done and seeing that like the world still went yes. on without it getting done. And like, that was a really liberating experience for me. Yeah. That, it's so true. It's just like, yes, do it, delegate it, delete it. Like just delete it. Don't, it's just not going to happen. Sometimes the time runs out, you don't get it done and the world doesn't end. And the nails is actually a really great example. There's been so many times where I'm like, I have an event or speaking thing and I want my hair done, my nails done. And I'm just, it's not going to get done. I'm like, well, and I look back at the pictures. I'm like, oh, I was fine. It's fine. totally fine. I wanted to look better, but I looked fine and it didn't affect my performance. It didn't affect my work. It just in my head, I felt like it needed to be done. And I think we do that a lot. And we stress ourselves out. We run out of time, especially doing errands on a day where you have a million things on the list to do before a deadline, before a vacation. I wanted to get a spray tan. I wanted to do get a wax. And you're just like, okay, some of that shit's not getting done. I'm not going to get my new outfit. I'm not going <laughs> to 
I'm going to shave my legs. Here we go. We're going. <laughs> it's okay. so true, though. Make sure you shave your legs, maybe. But yeah, yeah. Or don't. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like overwhelm, I think sometimes when it comes to stress, I would caution us against thinking they're just like things that are stressful. Mm-hmm. I think we have a say. I think we have more of a say than we think that we do. Yeah. And if something is really stressful, I think it's okay to honor it and then ask yourself, like you mentioned, what is in my control and what's not? Mm-hmm. And just focus on the things that are in your control. I just had this something come up with my um, one of my mastermind members recently. She was dealing with um, she has some coaching members. And this happens to me too. And I, I'd be curious if this happens to you. Um, I've worked with so many people in business coaching over the last 10 years. And look, like not every single one of your clients is going to love you. Like I wish they did, but like I have, I don't know, I would say probably five to 10% of people who have worked with me in the past, like just wanted a different relationship with me, wanted us to be on a different level, like wanted something different for me, didn't get a result, whatever. And they end up talking shit. Mm-hmm. And like maybe 10% is high, maybe 5%. And they end up talking shit for whatever reason. And that's like, it's it's fine. But this client of mine, something's going on like that with her. Mm-hmm. And she said, my clients are, you know, they're kind of talking amongst themselves and like this thing is happening and someone's talking shit, whatever. How do I handle it? And I was like, I don't think you manage it. It's not yours to manage. And that's, I've always, I don't want to say I've taken the higher road, but I've always been like, that's not mine to manage as much as I want to like get in the trenches and like set the record straight and like whatever. If you hear something third, like second, like third party, like that's not yours to manage. And so recognizing what is yours to control and also when you need to step back and just let the chips fall mm-hmm. and it's not your business to manage. And so I think if you can go into like those and those things cause anxiety, like I think interpersonal relationships are probably one of the biggest anxiety producers that we have. This person thinks this about me. This person doesn't like this about me. This person wants me to do this thing. I feel guilty because I'm not doing this thing. Like it's all these considerations for different people in our lives, whether it's our parents, our kids, our family members, our siblings, whatever. And so I think you have to ask yourself, like, what do you want to invest your time in and what is not your business to manage? And when it comes to other people's perceptions of you, it's so fucking hard, but it's just not, it doesn't need to be your stress. You're going to get an emotional hijack moment. You're going to get emotionally triggered, but it's also not yours to manage. So like, can you acknowledge something? Go, yeah, that's kind of stressful, but also it's not my business. And that's why I like Byron Katie's work. She's like, what is your business to manage? Mm -hmm. And can I just emotionally detach from trying to manage all of this stuff over here and let the chips fall? And that really comes down to a level of self-trust that I think is a practice. I really love that. You can't really manage your your reputation because you have a million, (laughs) you have a million reputations from other people. You can just do your best. And if you made a mistake and that's why things are happening, the thing you can manage is how you, how you come clean with that. Yeah. How you, yeah. How you acknowledge your mistake. If you come forward, if you take responsibility. And then after that, again, you have to let the chips fall. Like you can make a giant mistake. It can be really valid. People can be talking a lot of shit because you fucked up. But if you can come forward and say, I fucked up, here's where I'm at then you have to just let people still decide whether they forgive you or they move on. But that's not for years to manage. I mean, look at Tiger Woods, you know, he, Mm -hmm. he, his reputation was really ruined for a while. And now he just came, came back and people are cheering him on again. And there are many people who are like, nope, he fucked up the one time and I still think he's a dick. And it's like, cool. He can't go change any, everybody's mind who already has a different perception of him. And I think it, 
what you said is so true is like, you really just, you really can't control or you don't even want to try to control how other people see you. You just cannot. Everybody's going to have their own perception. People sometimes will hate you. They will not even know you and they will dislike you. They will just not like the idea of you. They don't like how you wear your hair or what kind of shoes you wear. And it's like, that's, it just is what it is. And so stressing out about that isn't, isn't gonna, Mm -hmm. isn't gonna help. Yeah. I think a lot of us, when we say the word stress, have a certain idea of what stress looks like or feels like to us personally. For me, it always felt more like a work thing, but it's definitely for, I've had some of the most stress in my life came, you know, after the marriage and after that Mm -hmm. all ended. So a lot of it was emotional and emotional stress can take such a huge toll. And I think that is one that we need to make sure we don't neglect Mm -hmm. and just taking care of like any traumas, um, relationship stuff, like counseling, breathing, all of that stuff is, it's easy to, it's easy to overlook like grief and the kind of stress that that brings on someone. I think that it's important to go if there's a big thing, like getting real help or like really feeling through it is important because that stress can cause illness, you know? So yeah, I really like it. Yeah. I love it. And also, well, like last thing I'll leave you guys with is like, you know, most stress is if you are aware it's transient, Mm -hmm. you know, like it is transient. So if you're like, cool, I realize that this is a, I, I would caution you against if you feel like your life is constantly stressful. Like it's like, it never goes away. There's never points where like it ebbs or flows like then. Yeah. Like you might be generating stress. Like I have this one client who every time I talk to her, it's the most, like the most stressful, like, and I'm just like, okay, but at some point, don't you have a say? So just, I think the self-awareness to go like most stresses are transient, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going through something big at work. I have some deadlines. I'm going through some of my relationships. I have some like stresses coming up about this. I'm dealing with a certain thing, whatever. I think most stress, at least big stressors are transient, but ask yourself if I'm constantly feeling in a state of anxiety, in a state of stress, I think to Danny's point, you know, seeking out counseling, maybe even considering medication, like something like that. And also having the self-awareness to go like, wow, stress shouldn't feel so high all the time. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. It's probably partially me yep. and it's partially maybe a chemical imbalance or something else going on and really digging into that. There's no right or wrong about it. It just is something to notice if you're starting to feel like that. So also realize that, that most stresses are transient, but if you're not having those points of reprieve in your stress, then you probably need to look a little more deeply at it. So true. So true. It's a common denominator. It is. <laughs> it's a good conversation. If the common don- denominator is you, then it's time to start <laughs> looking at other yep. things. Everything comes down to self-awareness. We've had a, quite a bunch of people, quite a bu- quite I, a I, bunch, quite a bunch of people join the Facebook group recently. Me so if you're you. in there and you haven't uh, introduced yourself yet, see the pinned post and introduce yourself. Let us know where you came from. If you're not in the private Facebook group, you can go to thebestlifepodcast.com and join us. We have more conversations about the episodes. We also get your feedback in there. Also, ideas for new episodes. We love when you post in there. We screenshot them and keep them on our notes so we can talk about that stuff. So please join us. And if you haven't yet, we would love for you to leave us a review and rate five stars or however many stars you think we deserve. Five is the most, right? I mean, we deserve five probably. Yeah, we deserve five. Come on. (laughs) If you listen this far, we, we appreciate you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, guys.